Last Sunday was a good day at church. I logged into Grace Discussion Group from my rector's study and joined in the conversation we've been having with facilitators from Visions, Inc. to learn more about how to be anti-racist. We've had profound and moving conversations in that group. I think every one of us over the past four sessions has learned something new and has appreciated hearing from all different members of our community and from the presenters. If you missed this Grace Discussion Group series, you can still sign up for a workshop sponsored by Grace's Social Action Committee in partnership with Metropolitan Community Ministries, which will take place this coming week. See Grace today or the podcast email for more details. While GDG was going on last Sunday, our youth group was outside on the driveway, masked and gloved and busy making 150 sandwiches for Common Cathedral a ministry for the homeless and their friends on Boston Common. Some good love of God and love of neighbor happened last week, even while our building is closed. Common Cathedral asked for way more sandwiches than usual because many of the other groups in Boston that feed the homeless have been unable to do so. Food insecurity is a big problem here and across the country because of job loss due to the pandemic. Our friends at St. Stephen's Youth Programs in the South End, who run the Be Safe Summer Day Camps in Boston that Grace supports, also run the Be Ready After School Program during the year. About 80% of the families participating in this after school program have a parent who has lost their job due to the pandemic. These families were economically vulnerable even before COVID, and so this hits them really hard. St. Stephen's has asked their partner churches to help them get weekly bags of groceries to these families, and Grace has answered the call. Please sign up to shop for specific grocery items in the next few weeks. This will be our trial run for participating in this ministry. If we find that we have the capacity to do more, then we will continue throughout the winter. The sign-up link is in the worship podcast email. Of course, systemic change is needed to fix what's broken in our nation and to become an America with true liberty and justice for all. So please make your plan to vote. And make your plan to bake, because Grace is a polling place and we are still having our Election Day bake sale, which benefits the Newton Food Pantry. Many thanks to Ellen Farwell, who is heading up the bake sale this year. We have come up with some very technologically sophisticated social distancing measures for the bake sale, such as putting all the baked goods in plastic baggies and having people put the money in a big coffee can rather than handing it to a person. As usual, we're very cutting edge at Grace. The Newton Food Pantry has had a huge increase in demand, so I do hope that you'll help Grace to support their good work. Again, all the sign-ups can be found in the worship podcast email. Thank you for helping to support our neighbors in need.
Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be God's kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, increase in us the gifts of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain what you promise. Make us love what you command. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Leviticus. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. You shall not render an unjust judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. With justice you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. And you shall not profit by the blood of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate in your heart any one of your kin. You shall reprove your neighbor or you will incur guilt yourself. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Happy are they whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Happy are they who have not walked in the counsel of the wicked, 
nor lingered in the way of sinners, nor sat in the seat of the scornful. Their delight is in the law of the Lord, and they meditate on his law day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, bearing fruit in due season with leaves that do not wither. Everything they do shall prosper. It is not so with the wicked. They are like chaff which the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked shall not stand upright when judgment comes. Nor the sinner in the counsel of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked is doomed. Happy are they whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Hello, my name is Linda George, and I am happy and honored to express my feelings about Grace Church in this gratitude moment. Eighteen years ago, a friend of mine told me about this church that was doing a blessing of the animals, and that you didn't need to be a member to get a blessing for your pet. In my case, a feisty Cairn Terrier named Lily. I hadn't been in a church in years, but I had been a devoted churchgoer as a child and young woman and attended the Presbyterian Church. After my very confusing 20s, I finally faced the fact that I was gay and sought out help from my minister to accept this. I didn't get from him any help, and he lectured me about going to hell and that I can't go to church and I should stop this behavior immediately. Instead, I stopped going to church for 25 years. What a hole that left in my life. Sometimes on Easter or Christmas, I would drive to a church and sit outside in my car with the windows down just to hear the music for a little while. Okay, back to the blessing of the animals 18 years ago. I figured God would forgive me for going to church if it was to get my dog blessed. I would run in for a blessing, toss 10 bucks in the plane, and leave. Well, that was not to be. When I went into the church, I was immediately struck by the stunning beauty of the sanctuary, the light streaming through the windows and dancing on different faces while people spoke and laughed with one another while trying to corral their animals and begin the worship service. This was quite a different scene from my stark and somber Presbyterian upbringing. I decided, oh, I will stay for the entire service, and uh, maybe I'll put 20 bucks in the plate, and then I'll leave forever. Well, as many times in my life when I thought I had complete control, God had another idea. Over the next few months, I kept drifting back for services. I decided, I'll just come by for Christmas Eve, and that will be it. But you all know how beautiful Christmas Eve services are. Finally, I had to give in and realize that God was calling me and giving me a chance and a very special place to live out my faith journey, Grace Church. And so... The years went on, and I became more involved with a sweet and strong Grace community. Grace with its joyful and beautiful worship services filled with music and reflection. Grace with its bold and poignant discussions that are ever searching for a deeper truth and meaning. 
Grace with its social happenings, Christmas Day dinner, Easter breakfasts, book club dinners, and weekly coffee hours, and much more. And Grace with its many committees, How I Love the Altar Guild and Arranging the Altar Flowers for our weekly services. How I miss all these things at this time when we are physically apart. But most of all, grace of profound love. Love of God, love of community and justice, love of our planet, and love for one one another. And I am grateful for all of it, and grateful that I am a part of it, and grateful that even though we are apart, we are still together through the Holy Spirit. And most of all, grateful to have been made whole again through grace. Oh, and by the way, I have never missed a blessing of the animals, and I'm so grateful that I haven't. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 to 46. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together 
and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question, What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David by the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. If I were to ask you to describe what kind of person you would like to become, what would you say? What adjectives would you use? Probably many of us would say, I want to be a good person, meaning someone who is kind, generous, a good friend someone who's trustworthy and reliable. We might say, I want to be a strong person or a non-judgmental person. We might say, I want to be more loving, more forgiving in my relationships. Or, I want to be a healthier person, physically and emotionally. We might wish to be known as someone who is disciplined and organized. There's all kinds of things we might say about the qualities we wish to develop and the people we want to become. Did anyone think, I want to be a holier person, or I want to be holy? This is the year I get down to business and work on my holiness. Maybe holiness made the list, but my guess is probably not. Perhaps you thought, I want to be more faithful. I want to be more engaged with my faith. We talk about faith and faithfulness in the church much more than we talk about holiness. Maybe holiness sounds unreachable, something for God and the capital S saints, but not that attainable for us regular folks. Maybe thinking about one's own holiness sounds a bit stuck up or self-righteous. Maybe it just sounds no fun. No one ever says, let's make sure to invite our holiest friends to the party. So what's the trouble with holiness? Why is it so much less relatable than faith, for example? After all, holiness is pretty important in the Bible. Here is the Lord in Leviticus giving Moses the message for all the people of Israel. You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Human beings are created in the image of God, and so this means there is something about us that is holy too, and that we are called to participate in God's holiness. This passage continues with a summary of the Torah, the law. Holiness involves not giving an unjust judgment, showing no one partiality or preferential treatment, 
refraining from slander and revenge, and finally, loving your neighbor as yourself. Psalm 1 gives a vivid picture of what someone who follows God's Torah, God's way, looks like. They are like trees planted by streams of water, bearing fruit in due season, with leaves that do not wither. Everything they do shall prosper. This is an organic image of holiness. The person who follows God's ways has everything they need to prosper. They have good nourishment, they produce good things, and they stay evergreen. A holy life makes a lasting contribution. A holy life is beautiful and sustainable. It is connected to a larger ecosystem, a larger community, in a positive way. Probably a lot of the adjectives that we named in our minds would fit under the umbrella of holiness, of living a holy life. The image of the tree planted by streams of water is very poetic and lovely. But how do we attain this kind of life? After all, being a tree seems much more straightforward than being a human. The Bible describes holiness in two very different ways. There are two main pathways for holiness, and they do not always go together easily. Both of these pathways are found in both Testaments, Old and New, and both find expressions in Judaism and Christianity throughout the entire history of each tradition, including in our own day. The first biblical path to holiness centers around maintaining purity. A commentator named Marvin Ellison writes of this path, Keeping separate from whatever may threaten to pollute or blur the boundaries functions to maintain an individual's or a community's identity. This is true personally as well as community, communally. This path of holiness, keeping separate from what is polluting, is an important part of the Ten Commandments, for example. That's why there's so many thou shalt nots. Wanting what others have, stealing, lying, adultery, murder, idolatry, which means putting things in the place of God. These are not the ingredients of a holy life, and they are to be avoided. These are behaviors that destroy the social fabric and cause harm to others. So part of holiness is avoiding these things and avoiding spending lots of time with people who practice them. Remember, too, this is where God's forgiveness and grace comes in. Everyone makes mistakes, everyone sins or makes bad choices, and God forgives us and we begin again. But the idea is to know in advance what actions or situations to avoid. But of course, living one's life in a purity bubble has its own problems. I grew up in a fundamentalist religious culture where moral purity, defined in a very specific way, sexual purity, all kinds of purity, was highly prized. Our Christian identity was mostly defined by what we didn't do and who or what we didn't associate with. Tolerance and diversity were not held in esteem. Associating with others who had different beliefs was strongly discouraged. Even the act of asking questions to learn more about someone else's beliefs was viewed as compromising your own. As you can imagine, I did not do terribly well within that system. In the years that have followed, I have also observed the incredible harm that purity mindset has done to those who stayed, especially to women. I've also seen how many of the people who taught me the scriptures, who taught me to follow Jesus, have now in more recent days 
utterly betrayed their values and their Lord by making an idol of white supremacy, which is a horrific expression of a kind of purity culture. The other biblical path towards holiness is quite different. This path, Martin Ellison says, centers on the messy, disruptive, ethical obligation to transgress boundaries erected for safety in order to critique distorted power dynamics, set wrongs right, and move towards right relationship with one another and with God. This model says, boundaries are meant to be broken when those boundaries have been set up to keep us apart and divide us. This model, this pathway, is all about reaching across the divide, bringing the margins to the center, redistributing wealth and power, and shaking up the status quo. This is the model of the prophets in the Hebrew scriptures of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah and Amos, and of Jesus eating with all those prostitutes and tax collectors, and also of his mother Mary singing in the Magnificat, He has lifted up the lowly and the rich he has sent away empty. But this second path to holiness has a shadow side as well, in that in embracing the world fully in love and service, we must be careful that we are still resisting the forces in this world that pull us from the love of God. Paul says in Romans, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. What difference has Jesus made in your life? If we have lost all of our identity markers as Christians, if we do not have any particular commitment to prayer and to worship, to generous giving, to acts of kindness, to the study of the scriptures, to working for justice and peace, to caring for the most vulnerable, then we may need to take a step back and to reassess how we are living out our baptismal vows. Part of the culture wars between fundamentalists and progressives in American Christianity stem from which of these two paths to holiness we deem most worthy, which is better, which one will lead to God's kingdom coming to earth as we pray in the Lord's Prayer. The issue, though, is Jesus himself did not see these as two separate paths. He saw them as two completely intertwined paths. This is a both-and situation, and that becomes very clear in the gospel that we just heard. A lawyer asked Jesus, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? In other words, what's the best path to holiness? Which commandment is the most important to follow? Jesus gives a two-part answer. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus rejects any kind of either-or idea about holiness. Those who would be holy as the Lord God is holy need to say yes to God by saying no to things that pull them away from God. They also need to reach out to their neighbor with love. Jesus says on all these things hang on on these commandments hang all the law and the prophets both pathways to holiness are found in the law and in the prophets Jesus says he came not to supplant the law but to fulfill it 
In the parable of the Good Samaritan, remember that a priest and a Levite both walk on by the man who has been attacked, robbed, and left for dead before the Samaritan stops to help him. Jesus says, If your following of the law leads you to leave your neighbor in a ditch, then it's not worth anything. But remember, too, that Jesus did not take the Torah lightly. He attended synagogue and temple. He studied the scriptures. He made time to go apart and pray alone, even during the height of his fame. He made time to pray apart, even as the disciples were urging him to get back to the crowds and to do more teaching and more healing. Jesus valued both paths and lived both paths to holiness. Love of God and love of neighbor cannot be separated. Perhaps a new way of thinking about holiness is this. We are set apart to be thrown into the mix. We are called apart from the ways of this world, called apart to say yes to God by saying no to anything that pulls us away from God. And when we do this with our whole heart, then God is going to throw us right back into the messiness of the world to challenge those boundaries and to pull those at the margins into the center, to question the status quo, and to redistribute wealth and power. We are set apart to be thrown into the mix. That's our calling. Former President Jimmy Carter, who turned 96 years old this month, is a model of holiness for me and for many. He said, I have one life and one chance to make it count for something. I'm free to choose what that something is, and the something I've chosen is my faith. Now my faith goes beyond theology and religion and requires considerable work and effort. My faith demands this is not optional. My faith demands that I do whatever I can, wherever I am, whenever I can, for as long as I can, with whatever I have to try to make a difference. At Grace, we spent much of the last year having conversations to help us articulate our core values, our sense of mission, and our vision for who we want to be. We did not frame this as working on our own holiness, but that's what we were doing. What we ended up setting down in our mission, vision, and value statement was not necessarily new to us. Many of these values have been prominent in our communal life for decades, or even since Grace's founding but we have articulated them in a new way for this moment. And this is what we said. Grace is a source of spiritual restoration and strength to prepare and inspire our members and our community to be conduits of divine love, following the example of Jesus, to companion the vulnerable, heal division, and confront and dismantle inequality. We didn't use the word neighbor in our statement, But it's hard to imagine doing any of these things without loving our neighbor. And in this particular political and historical moment, the stakes couldn't be higher. We are not waiting to get going on this. It's true, we have a lot going on. I'm looking at you, Bell Tower. But we also recognize that loving our neighbor can't wait. We are facing dual pandemics of the coronavirus and white supremacy, and we are living through the breakdown of numerous governmental systems. We need to help get our neighbors through the winter. We are called to participate in God's holiness. As followers of Jesus, we are set apart 
to be thrown back into the mix. May God give us the grace we need to fulfill this commandment of love. In God's name, amen. Let us affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us lift our prayers to the Lord. I ask your prayers for the Church around the world, for the Anglican Communion and the Episcopal Church, and all its lady, clergy, and bishops. I ask your prayers for this community of Grace Church, that in these challenging times we will live out our values of welcoming, love, belonging, inquiry, wonder, celebration, and service. I ask your prayers for a clear path forward as we work with many partners to remedy the safety issues of Grace's Bell Tower. May God grant us the wisdom to choose a path that honors our history, safeguards our future, and draws us into deeper faithfulness and mission now. We pray with wholehearted trust that God will guide us in each step and meet us in our need. We pray for Grace's vestry, rector, and parish leadership, and give thanks to their labor on behalf of our church home. I ask your prayers for our nation, for a free and fair presidential election, without voter intimidation or suppression or other malignant interference, for health and safety for all voters, poll workers, and law enforcement in this election season, for all those suffering from the coronavirus, for all those who are elderly, have pre-existing conditions, and who lack access to quality medical care, for those who have lost their livelihood due to the pandemic. I ask your prayers for the world, for all people and for all creation. May our Creator lead us and all people into ways of justice and peace, and awaken in us a desire to live sustainably on this earth. I ask your thanksgivings for all the blessings of this life. For those celebrating birthdays this week, Larry, Jacob, Rebecca, Henry, Kathleen, Peggy, Nicole Malagodi. In our parish cycle of thanksgiving, we give thanks for our lay readers who lead us in prayer with heartfelt reverence. I ask your prayers for those in need remembering those on our prayer list and those we name aloud now.
May God heal and restore all who suffer in body, mind, and spirit, and make us willing agents of your compassion. I ask your prayers for those who have died, especially Brian Meyer and Adrian Yi, mother of Carolyn Wong, and for those we name now. May God comfort those who mourn and bring them peace in their time of loss. Holy God, you have called us to be a source of spiritual restoration and strength. Make us conduits of divine love, following the example of Jesus. Help us to companion the vulnerable, heal division, and confront and dismantle inequality. Give us your grace, now and always. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. A prayer for the power of the Spirit among the people of God. God of all power and love, we give thanks for your unfailing presence and the hope you provide in times of uncertainty and loss. Send your Holy Spirit to enkindle in us your holy fire. Revive us to live as Christ's body in the world, a people who pray, worship, learn, break bread, share life, heal neighbors, bear good news, seek justice, rest and grow in the Spirit. Wherever and however we gather, unite us in common prayer and send us in common mission that we and the whole creation might be restored and renewed through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen.
go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you to everyone who contributed to our worship podcast for today. We thank the Grace Church Choir, featuring section leaders Christian Buaben, Diane Drost, Stephen M., and John Yanis, joined today by Linda Hosfeld. We also thank our music director and organist, Chris Hosfeld. Thank you to our lector, Ken Carpenter, our gratitude moment reflector, Linda George, and our lay reader, James Chen. You can find out more about Grace Church on our website, gracenewton.org. We hope you join us again next week.